Thank you for showing up in the place where we come together and sit in circle and share the stories that inspire us. Get ready to enjoy this next powerful journey outdoors in nature. Hello fellow adventurers, thank you so much for joining us for another podcast episode where we get to hear about a really powerful journey that somebody has had out in nature that will hopefully make you laugh, make you cry, may change your life or may inspire you. My name is Tegan and I am currently on my way to moving back to homeostasis in my body which means that I currently have a bit of a cold and I sound a little bit strange and That's going to work in our favour because I'll talk less and we'll get to hear more from the wonderful woman who is joining me in this episode today. And with that, I will introduce her to introduce herself, basically. So thank you so much for joining us, Leith. I would just love to jump straight in and I would like you to let the people know how old you are and what stage of life you feel like you're at. Oh, yeah. Um... Well, the stage of life, I I really don't know because it probably depends on what's about to happen next, which I don't know. (laughs) Is there a stage you've just moved out of, maybe? uh, Oh, yeah. I'd say I'm like midlife, mid mid to late life, late 40s. Um, Yeah, there's an era of contentment, which I swear wasn't there in my 20s and 30s Mm. or even early 40s. So maybe Mm -hmm. a contentment stage, Mm -hmm. which... I'm sure we'll end. (laughs) (laughs) And is contentment to you like calmness and presence or just without all the societal conditioning bullshit? You don't care what people think so much anymore or? Well, I mean, I care what they think. I'm really interested in what people think, but I'm not, um, yeah, I guess I I don't feel the same levels of uh, stress that Mm -hmm. I used to feel. Mm. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure why. It could be age-related. I have had a number of head injuries, concussions and such. (laughs) That could have helped. Um, Yeah, Uh, it could be the journey of life. Mm -hmm. It's a good question, what stage of life are we at? I don't know how to answer it. (laughs) That's a perfect answer in itself. Yeah. And I would love to know what sets your soul on fire, what, like, lights you up and gets you going? Um, well, at the moment, uh, one of the things that I did, I wanted to take the opportunity to share that does really bring me alive in ways that uh, I, I would wish for everyone is an encounter I've had just in the last couple of years with um, a field called biomimicry. And uh, so it, so it's it's an experience, it's an intellectual experience that has greatly affected how I experience the outdoors Mm. as well as how I experience my own um, realm of contribution, uh, livelihood and Mm. um, yeah it's really fed my uh, sense of wonder and awe Mm. and um, it doesn't seem to have uh, an end to it in terms of how much wonder and awe you can access Mm. through this field so yeah that's huge for me and I, I have enormous gratitude to the people that have been working hard to bring this field to life mm-hmm. in the last couple of decades. I would love to know if I was to Google biomimicry, yeah. 
Sorry about the traffic that goes past and the birds. We're sitting on the front deck, um, El Naturale style. So if I was to Google biomimicry, what would the Google definition come up with? Yeah, um, well, it would come up with a few things. Like you'd probably hit straight away like some of the real the the co-creators of it would come up Janine Benyus, Dana Baumeister these are uh, women in America who have really been I guess curating this um, this body of work this field and then the field itself they would define it as um, a relationship with the natural world that really places us as student um, being mentored through nature's genius mm. and really looking to nature and all of its manifestations um, as a realm of enormous teaching and learning uh, that can be applied to every human domain of um, our lives from design and technology through to the way we create culture and community Um, and it it definitely I mean immediately when you encounter biomimicry you do have that it's quite easy to recognize like in an indigenous an indigenous um, like we've been here before I mean many indigenous cultures hold this type of relationship with nature I think what's additional in it is you've got the Western mind layered onto it. So the Western mind and its sort of conditioning to look at the parts and to break down um, what we see around us and to deconstruct it is a more of a Western mindset. And we've, you know, a lot of us have been conditioned in that way, which can be an impediment to really then connecting to country and to nature and I think this is where biomimicry is, 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 was powerful for me because it connected through my western conditioning um, it gave me a pathway that began by looking at nature through the lens of what we could learn from and emulate in terms of solving our many problems all of our um you know the whole field of sustainability in hindsight i just don't understand why sustainability isn't fundamentally biomimicry mm. <laughs> um, but that journey to look at it through a western mind and then as you go deeper then i think you start to break beyond that western way of deconstructing everything and then you start to reconnect to the bigger patterns and flows that bring you back to a much more holistic Mm -hmm. Um, encounter with the nature of reality around you so I think for those of us that are born into a western conditioning and our brains are sort of hugely conditioned through our education biomimicry is a wonderful on-ramp to um, a way of relating to the world around us that I think takes us much closer to uh, some ways of, of being on country um, mm. that perhaps are getting that much closer to in, an indigenous way of, of relating to the to, to the world around us. Okay, so my my interpretation of that yes, of what you please. said is <laughs> is 
it's almost like this mentally structured way of understanding what nature is doing and then mimicking it and being like okay that you know that's why a spider has a web and that's why it's made out of this material and it can like really looking at the fundamentals of what's actually happening and being able to take those ideas and then put them onto this kind of human human life structured buildings and more man-made yeah. processed things yeah. um, acknowledging that nature is constantly working this stuff out and it's constantly evolving and changing and adapting so how can we look to to? it almost reminds me of so often I think when we have a problem say in Australia I'm like what are they doing in Switzerland I'm yeah. sure they've figured this out there yeah. or one of the Eastern European countries and often we go to them and look and they've set up a different structure or they have yeah. a different uh, economic system working yeah. for them and I'm amazed. Yeah. We're taking that one step further and being, let's look at nature. Yeah. Let's yeah. look at the, the 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 organisms that are nailing it. Yeah. And I also heard in that that we, we are looking for patterns as well. And yeah. I was reading a book that was saying that when we see patterns and recognise them, it releases dopamine in our brains, which is like a hit, like cocaine. Oh. So as humans, we want to see as much pattern recognition as possible because our brains just get this hit of dopamine. And it's like, yes, 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 yes. With that feeling connected, understanding and euphoric, euphoric almost. Yeah. So that's, so it's just mimicking. How can I mimic nature? How can I look at what it's doing and how it's succeeding or where it's not succeeding? Yes. Yeah. I would love to know then. So you've, You've put yourself in a context of learning this. This is like a university, so it's very structured, computer time, I imagine. Mm-hmm. A lot of information going through the brain, mm. yet nature is so embodied. It's mm. so... When yeah. when have you experienced this in your body? What's yeah. a powerful time that you've been like, oh, shit, yeah. that's what we were learning about. I can yeah. see it. Yeah, well, that was actually the entry point because I was lucky enough to, to spend time with Dana Baumeister and Janine Benyus outside and um, just being out in the wilderness with them and having them just say things about the tree that we were looking at. Um, Why does that tree have a sort of a twisting um, architecture to the bow of it and what's behind that design? And just having them say like what is the relationship between that fungus right there and these trees Mm. um what is this insect doing here and how how does it relate to what's around it and having them um just throw out these mind-blowing i guess um relationships they they just had a, a literacy around the complexity and the genius of what was going on right in front of me that I'd never walked with somebody before and had them point that you know and and my I guess it's the dopamine I was just like constantly drenched in awe and wonder um and then I found myself thinking about wow my whole childhood I spent Mm. like running around in the bush near where I grew up but I never had anyone pointing out Mm. or explaining things which is where I think um you know to be indigenous to to country I I think is to be woven into story in in the landscape and to have that sense-making 
happen you know through the people your your the older people that ha are passing on stories and connecting you into the landscape and giving you a way of making sense of it and giving you that emotional sort of repertoire um, at the same time that sense of awe and wonder and respect that mm. grows when you're introduced to beyond just what your senses immediately pick up as a child <coughs> I mean you enjoy playing out there in the bushland it's just fantastic you enjoy being on the beach there's like a lot of physicality and a lot of sensual sort of connection to it but there's something about the human mind and heart too that if you have elders or culture around you that then takes you more deeply into the genius of that place in whatever way that culture can do it uh, it's a very different experience and it does bring you alive more in that place mm. um, and I actually felt a, a, like some real sadness about mm. wow What's happened to our culture, uh, the you know dominant cultures that have lost, completely lost, that way of I guess walking with the young into wild places and connecting them more deeply to story, um, and to the patterns mm. that are there and to the genius that's around us. Like, so few of us have that walking beside us when mm. we go into these places and and the loss of it is so profound and then that in my mind just connects so much to the grief then of the beautiful indigenous culture that has been um, so traumatized in this country and how precious it is to uh, to really protect and nourish that those cultures because they are ways of taking us into country that are more alive and I don't know what's happened to our dominant Western culture that we lost that but it's such a huge loss and, and you feel the loss um, when you're in wilderness with an elder or with with somebody that can carry culture that deeply weaves you into the place in a way that mm. your mind just becomes alive with and your heart and um, whether it's the patterns around you or whether it's individual information about different organisms and how they the incredible things that they do and all the ways that they contribute to the life around them mm. um, yeah so that to me I'm just on that whole trip of being in wilderness in ways that explores um, how to awaken that wonder and that awe. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I yeah, I love hearing you explain it like that. And I was also com not comparing it, but trying to uh, to what's the word when you can relate yeah. to it. And I'm like, well, how have I done this? And yeah. what I'm hearing is. I, I loved hearing someone say that if we took the labels off things, that it yeah. ignites this sense of awe. So yeah. instead of being, oh, that's just a flower, yeah. if I had no idea what the word was yeah. and I looked at it, I'm in awe. 
where the colors come from it's so yeah. soft and i'm yeah. so curious in nature to go find out more information as opposed to oh that's just a pelican flying through the sky yeah. as opposed to that is a huge thing with this big long thing in the front this huge wingspan and yeah. this sense of awe and when i hear you describe how you've learned about biomimicry through the mind and understanding how everything's connected, you've then been able to feel it more when you're in nature. You've been able to feel that amazingness, how connected it feels, Mm. how from that heart space as well, how much love and appreciation and respect. And I was giggling to myself because I think I've journeyed it the other way around. And that's through connecting with my body. Mm. And the more I've connected in my body and the senses and touch, sound, movement, breath, and I've connected from that inside out, now when I go into nature, I may not know yet how all the mushrooms are connected underneath and talking to the trees but there's some great books about it now and this has to do with because the wind has changed and it's brought over this but when I'm there I feel the little mushroom or when I see the glow in the dark mushrooms I just stop and I feel it in my body of wow or I pick up a leaf that has these beautiful colors of red and yellow and green and I brush it over my cheek. And there's almost this part of me that's like, I don't give a fuck how we're all connected. Like through my <laughs> mind, this just feels good. Yeah. And that gives me a new sense of appreciation. And I also feel like I'm gathering data, but a different kind of curiosity. Nice. So yeah. why are these leaves here? They weren't here before. They've fallen from the tree. What time of the year is it? Oh, those birds have changed. Yeah. And somebody I was talking to was saying that the more you open up your senses the more instinctual you also become Mm. because my sight is opening up the colors I'm taking note I'm curious but there is almost this sense Mm. of importance like everything is here for a reason Mm. I may not understand the language of it yet but I know that the bees come in this section in this time for a reason there's some form of genius there and I love yeah, yeah, to think of how those appreciation, almost yours is more of the structured information driven yeah. way, which our Western society loves. Yeah. And then I've yeah. come at it from almost the, the softer, intuitive feeling yeah. way. I mean, we're all going to the same place, though, yeah. which I love. Yeah. Where were you when you got to walk in nature with those with your mentors yeah um montana, montana. in the u.s yes and so what they're, environment they're were based. you based so well montana is like i think it's the least populous state in in the u.s and it's full of wilderness mm. and it's um up north it's near the border of canada so it's snows for you know half the year wow. and it's pretty mountainous country um yeah so one trip uh Dana's husband Thomas runs a llama hiking company. So we went out hiking each with our own llama. Are they the like animal? The pack do they hold the packs or llama? <laughs> the Dalai Lama. Everyone gets your own little Dalai Lama. Put it in your backpack. <laughs> they can carry seventy pounds. Okay. Um yeah, and they're these beautiful, gentle creatures. Mm. They have soft um, feet uh-huh. so they don't damage the landscape and uh, they just uh, yeah they're brilliant to walk with they're very gentle sensing animals much more 
um, almost a zero impact animal to go into wilderness with because of the way that they behave. Unlike horses, you know, with their hard hooves and you have to carry food for them. Llamas just browse as they're toddling along the path. Yeah. What did you do with their poop? Um, well, they just pooped out what they ate on the path. So oh, it was allowed? Like, yeah, yeah. It's okay. all just the same stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So walking out there You're with... You're in Montana um, with llamas. Yeah. With llamas <laughs> and these biomimicry, basically the founders of mm. biomimicry. And, um, yeah, really getting... Uh, and I, I guess one of the biggest feelings that I get is humility. But it... it you know, it is, it is amazing and important uh, that you, yeah, as you say, you can come to it from a lot of different aspects of your humanness. Mm-hmm. You can come to it through your intellect. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, when uh, you know Janine or Dana would reference some science that maybe had just turned up. Uh, one one example was. Um, Janine had recently read a paper where some amazing researcher had taken the time and trouble to actually count how many different species of microorganisms, so mostly bacteria uh, or fungal sort of microorganisms, lived on this one tree. So Mm. there is this whole sort of field exploding around underground, you know, the mycelial networks connecting trees, allowing trees to basically move energy and information between each other Mm. across vast areas of land. But this researcher had an inclination that, well, yeah, we know there's a lot of complexity underground now, but I think it might be above ground too. Mm. And they went and counted and found that there was something in the order of a couple of thousand different species of microorganism on the leaves Mm. of this one tree which all sort of for 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 the pattern recognition part Mm. of this this is about the big pattern of life which is there really isn't any individual Mm. that all organisms are a mutualism Mm. of multiple organisms like we're all communities and even our own you know, if you count up how many cells in your body are human and how many cells are actually not human, there are more not human cells in your body than human. Like all of that on your skin, in your gut, your mm. hair, eyelashes, uh, we are a community in ourselves. So life um, at, a, at a pattern level is... Um, very much a sort of flow of relationship Mm. but the western mind see when we look at the world around us we're so conditioned to seeing it as this you know collection of individual parts but Mm. and and we the way we name organisms and even think of our own body that this is my body this is me but it's actually not it's a community (laughs) (laughs) I am a community Mm. we this is we uh and that yeah so then you can sit with that pattern when you're out there in wilderness and try to then perceive like try to loosen up that conditioning in the mind that sees what's around you as endless parts Mm. and start to try to open up to the flows which I think is where the body coming at it through body 
um, that intuitive, sensual sort of connection. Yeah, I could see how that would get you there straight away. Anyway, mm. you know, you're you're feeling the you're feeling it in a, a less deconstructed way already. Um, but you know, I'm a bit of a heady person, and I've done a lot of education, formal mm. education. So I've mm. if if I can't, um, I guess almost like. Uh, ignite my brain to let mm. go of its constructs mm. they hold me prisoner and mm. then I can't really just mm. release into the experience of wilderness I can't liberate myself from my conditioning enough I think mm. I sometimes like to think of the mind as like the bouncer of the body oh. so it's like standing outside the club like just making sure <laughs> You know, you've kind of got to, like, show yeah. your ID, justify why you're allowed in. And once he's like, yeah. oh, yeah, you can go in, it's like, boom, yeah. then it kind of drops into your body and then it, that playfulness yeah. begins. I've noticed a lot as well for me just taking my shoes off in nature. Yeah. When I go for a hike, I put my shoes on and put my hat on and yep. put all these clothes on and go walking. Yep. And I really tried to reframe that and... Don't yeah. wear shoes, Tegan. Yeah. And I go slower. Yeah. I absolutely go slower. And sometimes yeah. I stub my toe. And I, but I'm so then connected. Yeah. I feel the dirt, the sludge. That I'm so present with it. Even uh, taking off yeah. a hat, yeah. I can I can feel the sunshine. I feel the shade. I feel the mm. bugs that land in my hair. And yeah, it's it almost then is like my brain's like, oh yeah, of course everything's connected. Like yeah. duh. Yeah. But uh, I love I love though we live in a society where it goes both ways. Yeah. We get to understand it and feel it. Yeah. Which yeah. to me also that paradox yeah. of we are separate but connected. Like yeah. my body looks separate to your body, but yeah. when we break it down we're all connected. Like yeah. the cells, the atoms, it's yeah. We get to do both though. I get to experience your body because we appear to be separate, but yeah. once I get there I realize we're all connected. Yeah, there's so this much whole, connection. The same with the tree. I yeah. I've been playing a lot lately with like rubbing dirt all over my like mud or clay. Oh, I wow. used to very clean. Like oh. you put shoes on, you stay mm. clean, you try not to let the dirt on you too much. And I don't know it switched. It was probably because I did mushrooms. But yeah. um getting the clay and rubbing it all over my skin and being naked and like sitting yeah. next to a tree and being it was just I was one with the whole environment and yeah. then it all made sense yeah. and oh, oh it was so fun and then of course I got to go to the stream and wipe it all off and yeah. and I love now wherever I go to a place I will often like rub the dirt on me wow. and I will try to drink the water yeah I mean I drink every water yeah. and I know people are often you know there's cattle or there's whatever's in the water and yeah. I'm often saying well we drink fluoride so yeah. I drink that all the time and I'm fine so I think a little bit of whatever's in this water will be fine too yeah and once I drink that waterfall and have it in my body and I'm sitting in the waterfall at the same time I yeah. can I, I feel so connected yet I can also feel the water on my skin yeah and that for me is that sense of awe yeah. and when I meet someone like you and yeah you then get to explain oh well, that's because the water's doing this and it's traveled from here and it's connecting and I'm just yeah. like oh it's yeah. like double whammy double all my yeah. mind and my body are both like yeah <laughs> yeah true like I'm, I'm my head's spinning out about oh wow your microbiome would love that it would love you <laughs> no, sitting no, 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 there no. and rubbing dirt all over your skin like it yeah. would be you would like I mean just 
one head sort of example is you would literally be connecting your microbiome community with place Mm. by doing that as one thing but then there's probably all sorts of other energetic dimensions Mm. like uh, who knows really what the different fields of energy are Mm. in places and how your body is actually connecting and vibrating with those Mm. we don't we don't have a lot of knowledge about that but the so i think that science is like catching up to spirituality almost yeah but at the end of the day i often think i always feel different when i come out of the ocean Mm. and i would be surprised if anybody would suggest otherwise yeah i may not know why or how or Mm. what exactly is going on but when i go in i can often feel like irritated sad just something will be almost feels slow yeah. Or maybe intense, but yeah. I go in and I swim around and I play and I feel that salt water and half the time I get up my nose and I'm, yeah. and yeah. then I come out and there's like a refreshness. And yeah, yeah, it does. I feel that like it mm. shifts the vibration of the body. I do that because um, I I do I used to fly to the US to teach mm-hmm. in at Boston and those are that's a long flight. It's <laughs> it's just a crazy flight. Uh, and the, my body, at, after a flight of that mm-hmm. length, would it would feel very vibrating at a really weird. Mm-hmm. And then, but if I could get in the ocean mm-hmm. the same day I landed, it would. Li- I could feel. I could feel it now. Yeah, <laughs> it would just. <laughs> the hum, the deep hum, would return. Yeah, who knows what that is? But it sure feels real to me too. What has been and I'm just throwing this at you, what has yeah. been one of the holy moly's that you've learned about biomimicry? Like yeah. a specific example that people could relate to uh, or might come across and never have even realised? Yeah. Well, I mean, those really big ones, like there is no individual, you know, like that's like, wow, you could sit with that a lot and it gives you a you're can sitting you break outside. that down for me though like when yeah. you say there is no individual what mm. do you how do you know that in mm. take me down that mental well, pathway if you were okay if your body were to only be human cells mm-hmm. only human cells what makes a human cell well that you know when you're um reproducing cells uh-huh. the cells are your dna from from birth, you know, from okay. when your parents had you, okay. that DNA is self-replicating through your life. Okay. And those cells are reproducing each other themselves um, with the same, same DNA being passed on from yep. generation to generation of cells. So every seven or so years, I think, yeah, every cell year. in your body yeah. has flipped. Yep. Some are flipping every few days okay. um, and some are taking years to go to a new next generation. I think like bone cells take, you know, it's like years between generations. But it's basically your DNA going from one cell to the next. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's all those cells making your organs and, you know, everything from your skin to your heart mm-hmm. and, and, and everything in between. So if you are only those, you, you would be dead. Okay. Like you are only alive because you're not only you. There's all over your body and all inside your body, there are 
bacterial, largely bacteria, uh -huh. um, that are in a mutualism with you. Mm. They live with you. They get a lot out of being with you. They are you. Uh, so you wouldn't be able to digest. Mm. You would probably die of some terrible disease some other microorganism would probably you know break through mm -hmm. if you didn't have all of your microorganisms hanging out on your body yeah um so so there is no you in terms of like most of us think i'm me and my parents had me yeah but actually it's not just your parents that had you that you you're co-created by this wealth of other species that they are <laughs> small they're tiny but mighty other species that are actually mm. co-creating you from day to day and uh, and uh, when you if you if you have a a, um, a natural birth uh, apparently recent research has shown that your microbiome about 70% of it you are inoculated with that when you move through your mother's vaginal canal mm -hmm. out into the world you basically are getting this incredible coding mm -hmm. from her body she's gifting you her microbiome mm -hmm. you're getting something like 70% of it is um, being given to you through that birthing process and that goes on to affect everything from your immune system your digestive system mm -hmm. and pro and we don't know but there are all sorts of quirky um, anecdotal things like I don't know if you've heard of fecal transplants but this is have, yeah. <laughs> okay. well so we totally underutilize them as a, a um, as a healing modality but the idea is you take somebody's a little bit of um, the microbiome from somebody who is in your life so you sort <coughs> of um, you're inoculated with each other's biome so mm -hmm. a family member a partner and if 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 you're suffering from there are a myriad of digestional and immune system issues that are resulting from your own internal microbiome is either out of balance or it might be dead mm. it might it just has suffered some catastrophic mm -hmm. problem and if you can reseed that with somebody's healthy one that you have been inoculated with previously, so it's not a total shock, yeah. you can reboot your microbiome. Well, there are these funny anecdotes of people receiving fecal transplants from perhaps smokers, members of the family that are smokers, and you and and the recipient has never before wanted a cigarette, and then all of a sudden can't help but go out and get a cigarette yeah. because this microbiome has so mm. um, has so many effects on us that we don't know and it may really affect even our thought processes um, so our emotional states we mm. we really don't know a lot about our relationship with the community that is mm. co-creating us so and it's not just us, it's, um, it's all over. And even just an individual cell in our body has something inside it called a mitochondria, which is a bit of an organ in the cell that creates the energy mm -hmm. for us. Well, that mitochondria apparently was a separate microorganism. We're going way back now, <laughs> yeah. evolutionarily, who moved inside cells and created a mutualism 
inside those cells. Um, so even individual cells aren't individuals. They're mm. a collaboration of two different microorganisms that have basically found that by teaming up, they could solve a lot more problems than mm. not teaming up. So then a second big like revelationary insight that you are asking, okay, what, what is it, some examples, is this idea that mutualism and the types of relationships that exist between, between organisms in nature, um, we get taught a lot you know the theory of evolution is uh, survival of the fittest who hasn't heard that catchphrase survival of the fittest and even our whole economic system is sort of based around this ideology that says it's really through competition that you whittle down and get the strongest performance mm -hmm. out of individuals and systems you like let them fight it out mm. and the strongest you know and then they'll go on to replicate and that's how you keep a system fit and healthy and, and, and our whole culture is sort of like very much steeped around the use of competition as a way of sifting and sorting mm. and driving performance. <laughs> yeah. Well, it turns out that um, increasingly biologists are finding that competition as a mode of relationship is, is actually one of the least effective relationship modes in terms of really generating um, fitness mm. and that mutualism is um, increasingly showing itself to be uh, much more conducive to solving difficult problems and um, creating resilience and um, creativity in mm. in the life of systems and organisms so the fact that our own body is actually a profound mutualism between all of these other species they're microorganisms so we tend to discount them are they little who cares but they're profoundly um, powerful and potent and they do a lot for us uh, so we're in this mutualism with them and the mutuality is um, allowing us as an organism because they're with us we have solved a lot more problems you know in in our struggle to survive than we would without them so the idea that relationship types like is it a relationship that's about competition mm. is it a relationship that's more collaborative is it a deep mutualism where to the point where actually if you stopped the partnership both would die mm. that's like a really deep what they call an obligate mutualism there are a lot of relationships in nature that have gotten to that point wow. um, and that's where we are with our microbiome we would we're in an obligate mutualism mm. here with this amazing community that we're gifted by our mother as we come through the birth canal and that goes on to uh, be crucial in our lives in ways, again, that we don't really know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. in our body, 
part of like our cells has the DNA in it, but other parts, like a, a large percentage, is that bacteria and made out of the other things. Yeah. And I could also say that the dirt has that bacteria yes. and the tree has that bacteria totally. in it. So I am. We're actually same, same, but different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is? Yeah. How has that changed the way you relate to yourself, to nature, to other humans? Mm. Well, I mean, I feel like it's still working on me because I have a lot of conditioning that has to be let go of but it is that um, I mean emotionally and as a felt experience just that sense of awe mm. and humility uh, I think that it's also a part of this contentment feeling that when we first started talking what mm. stage of life and I do feel weirdly content I think that um, learning more about all of this genius has really de-escalated some of my reflexes of needing to control things mm. and maybe um, it's feeding more trust mm. in the flow of things more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I almost hear that as when you were talking about the relationship of competition yeah. I was giggling because to me that's our whole schooling system currently. Yeah. You compete against other students, other people, who's the yeah. best in the class, whether yeah. it be on the sports field or yeah. in maths or science yeah. or even how subjects compete against each other. Maths is more superior than art and mm. it's always this competition. Mm. And when we're raised with that conditioning, mm. I'm almost hearing that you're able to put that down and be like, actually, when I study nature it's showing me that that's not the fullest way of living it's not the most connected way that I can really thrive mm. and what does my life look like and feel like when I start to put down that competitive nature yeah. and realize that we're stronger when we work together yeah yeah to be uh, much more discerning about when is competition useful mm. and it turns out I mean it has its moments mm. but it's it's pretty limited hmm. in terms of when is it actually good mm -hmm. and in term and when I say good, when does it actually help benefit benefit and solve problems and yeah. and bring fitness and when I say fitness that's like fitting into the context, mm. you know, and getting into flow with the context that you're part of. Um, yeah, competition. And you see it, yeah, as you say, it's all through our education system right into academia where faculty to get tenure, um, they're very much actively disincentivized from doing, re to doing research that is interdisciplinary and, and collaborative across disciplines. Mm -hmm. That's deeply disincentivized, which means then that you know for generations the academic space and the research that's come out of it has already been constrained um, by that modality of competition mm. uh, which has really held us back a lot and this is where biomimicry is so important because it's it's a very interdisciplinary field that's trying to rebuild those connections and mutualisms across disciplines so that we can look at the world mm. less through this deconstructing it into just parts and looking at more of the flows mm. and the, the, the patterns and um, yeah. Mm. 
I've asked this question at the end of the podcast to, to basically everyone so far, and I'm intrigued yeah. to hear your answer. And I actually don't even know if I'm going to keep asking it. Yeah. Do you think we are nature? Yeah. Well, that's, Why do you say with okay. such conviction? Why are well, you like, yeah? Because yeah, it's been like a revelation. And it's just a personal... I guess we're all trying to make sense of the world yeah. in our own ways. <laughs> yeah. um, but when I first got into the whole sustainability space, I, I came into it feeling really appalled by humans and what we've been doing to the natural world and to each other. Mm. And then um, researching more and more about our journey as a species, and this is the beauty of like Dana Baumeister does this amazing, um, it takes her about two minutes to do it. And what she does is she shows you the four and a half billion years of life, of, of the Earth's history um, in what it would look like if it all happened in 12 months. So what happens on day one, day two, right through to the end of the year, right? So four and a half. And and so when she scales that into one year, it really helps you get this, that it's something like, it's not until February that life turns up at all on on planet Earth. So the first nearly two months, it's just a planet with a lot of water on it then you get these single cell organisms turn up in the oceans there's no oxygen at that point Um, and then something like March these single cell organisms have this next huge breakthrough which is they they uh, create photosynthesis Mm -hmm. so now they're able to take the Sun's energy and turn that into usable energy to Mm -hmm. build more cells yeah yeah so then this this stays that's the totality of life all the way i think to august so it's like eight months of the year of the planet's history is just single-celled organisms out there in the oceans then in august these single cells have their next big breakthrough which is they develop the ability to become multicellular organisms which means they've created membranes between them that allow them to like now function together mm-hmm. in a in a deep sort of um, single orga- organism but with multiple cells then in September you get sexual reproduction so right up until September in the year mm. um, Dana tells us that organism that those single cell and those simple multicellular organisms were just replicating themselves they weren't breeding between each other but in September, they start um, merging DNA. So, so something happens from September to the rest of the year, which is mind-blowing. Because of sexual reproduction, you get all this diversity explodes. Mm. Fungus comes on land. Then you get um, vertebrates in the ocean. You get your first fish in, like, I don't know, November. You get insects turning up. You get amphibians and then reptiles. This is somewhere around December, I think. And then you get the meteor hits 67 million years ago down in Cancun and wipes the slate almost clean, like wipes out, I don't know, 70, 80% of life on Earth is just done because of this meteor strike. Um, This is where we lose the dinosaurs. Then it reboots again. And this is where humans turn up 36 minutes before the last (laughs) day of the year of the planet's life, right? And in that 36 minutes, um, 
we spread out across the across the globe and it turns out there are a bunch of different kinds of humans it's not just homo sapiens there's neanderthals and something like five or six other kinds of humans and mermaids yeah. and fairies <laughs> and river nymphs there and, you go. yeah um and so we spread out across the world and then you have people walking all the way supposedly this is what the story goes people walk all the way from africa around to australia mm-hmm. um and then a minute and a half before midnight on the last day of this year of the planet's history the industrial revolution (laughs) turns up no sorry agriculture turns up Mm. so you have all these indigenous cultures have spread out and found their sort of flow in their ecosystems but at the same roughly the same time a handful of humans in different parts of the world start doing agriculture mm-hmm. it's not just one group it's a few different ones mm, okay. so some something to me that means that nature and the way it created humans actually set off this this possibility that humans might interact with their environment in ways that spur on different developments in themselves so mm. we start developing tools a different part you know, humans all over the place start creating tools mm. it's not just one group humans in different places start developing agriculture um, but then it gets a, a huge thing happens about a minute and a half to midnight the industrial revolution so this is our tools and our agriculture then suddenly goes bonkers <laughs> in a certain you know a few different parts of the world and then that basically becomes part of this dominant culture that because it practices conquest and ownership Mm. all these things we've invented sweeps around the world and wipes out all these indigenous cultures Mm. um and this is where we are now now when i first you say why why am i so full-on about like yeah we're part of nature because i've come to think that nature is exploring something here Mm. like it always explores it it, you see it explore all sorts of things with species it's Mm. exploring something through the human um and i think it's exploring the way it moves information and because we are an animal that can abstract information like all other organisms when they move information it's embodied i think this is an interesting connection with the way that you engage in embodied relationship Mm. in the natural world you feel it you want to let your body actually experience information by like literally you're embodying Mm. sensations and but I'm coming at it through this other ability that we have, which is abstract information. Mm. We can carry ideas in our head and take them from New York and mm. bring them to New Zealand mm-hmm. in our head and then, and then act on them. Yeah. Like we can carry information all over the place and it's not embodied in the same way that other organisms Um, if a tree wants to pass on information to its next generation it'll be in the seed if an ant wants to give information to another ant it'll be a pheromone Mm. like it's embodied in some chemical or physical structure 
But Isn't that the same as the brain, though? That well, it's a chemical and physical structure? A thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah right Isn't down it? at that really, really micro scale. Yeah. yeah, it is. And it's an experiment that I think nature is happy, having of, like, what happens if we have an organism that can hold and carry information like this? What happens? Like... <laughs> What, what we destroy it? ourselves. We destroy. <laughs> we Surprise! Destroy, <laughs> and we destroy a lot of things. Nature is having this exploration mm. of how it moves information, and it's having it in all sorts of organisms all the time. Um, so that's why I think we're part of nature, and it's a hell of a thing to be here to witness. Mm. I don't. I mean, it's heartbreaking the damage that it is causing and all of these exquisite systems around us that we're just destroying and straining to it's a it's a hell of a thing to be um to be i mean we are that organism that destructive exploration Mm. but we are nature that's what i've i've come to understand Mm. it reminds me that if we have this I like to use this bold concept of if there's no good or bad, yeah, what's actually happening is really impressive. Like yeah. it, like you say, the the extreme or the actual experience of itself, just watching the human take that information from the mind and putting it in different locations, or also yeah. feeling, yeah, the extreme, which I mean is the law of polarity, right? We need yeah. to know what hot is to feel what cold is. Yeah do we need to know what it's like to destroy the earth to actually realign with it and start embracing it again yeah yeah each to their own (laughs) and then why is it that some humans didn't have to have that lesson like all those indigenous groups that didn't go on this journey this cultural journey but some of them did Hmm. so why did some of our brothers and sisters get swept up in this cultural like weird arc that we're on that has then because it's seeking to dominate has come back and swept Mm -hmm. many of our other brothers and sisters that had actually found homeostasis in Mm. their cultural like connection they were holding information and using information through the way they had woven culture in a way that was sustainable Mm. you know but then some of us we broke those you know something happened so (laughs) do we uh yeah I guess to learn from from our endeavors that that found their way to belonging Mm. and look at the ones that lost belonging Mm. and and the craziness that's uh, you know unfolding because we've lost how to belong and now we how to come back Uh, and what do we get out of it like what are we going to carry forward from from this I tend to answer those questions with I guess my belief system or spirituality or or rather to me it just takes the conversation esoterical which I enjoy because I love having the sciencey and then the esoterical as well where do you go with those questions with your little scientific brain with your big scientific brain where do you does it then just stop and then you're like well there's some things we don't know or do you find yourself stepping into that Mm. other belief system or do you get the Dalai Lama out and ask him like out of your backpack and ask him or uh 
Where do you go personally? What do you do with this information? Yeah. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's partly what's really what's alive for me at the moment. I, I, I feel really drawn to um, to the extent that that is um, that is doable and acceptable to spending more time with um, the holders of indigenous culture and and not just indigenous culture, but the the holders of the experience of of this ca- catastrophic collision of this dominant culture um, colliding with indigenous cultures and spending time with people that are in the lineage of that experience to understand what's what sense are they making of it because I mm. I just um, because I sit, you know, I, I sit in the ancestral lineage of somewhere back there. My ancestors were indigenous, somewhere, way back there. <laughs> yeah. And something happened. There was a disconnection swept up in this culture. And from what I've learned of some of my ancestors, there's been enormous suffering mm-hmm. and struggle. Um, but I haven't sat in the seat of of um, being in the lineage of in, an indigenous uh, indigenous ancestors of recent generations where it's still incredibly alive that that breach and that tearing down of culture that had but be- did belong and mm. and has that memory of belonging and fitting in like as a human like I can only imagine what it would feel like to feel like you really fit in where into country like it's such a foreign you know us our lineage just has is so far removed mm. from when we had that that we don't it's and maybe that's like again your your instinct to be in country viscerally with body is um is like it it feels to me like if I imagine doing that it feels like I would be sitting in my longing to feel connected and indigenous in in country again Mm -hmm. but just connecting directly sensually but I don't think I don't think that's enough um, to change my behaviors you know because I've just I'm so conditioned with all this western Mm thinking that I have to really deconstruct a lot of that conditioning to um, find a different wavelength I think with country again so I'm guessing like there's something about letting go of a lot of the dominant culture but there might be some things to keep from Mm. it Mm -hmm. but I'm just not sure what they are but I think that's (laughs) what the people that are in the, the that are closer to that more recent loss of indigeneity Mm. I think they might have a lot more clarity about what is it that is worth keeping from Mm. this intrusion that happened Um, yeah so that might take a few years to 
personally, <laughs> like, I understand. A few, a few more years and a few more podcast episodes, I feel like there was yeah. so much from that conversation that we could extra- extract. Actually reminded me of Emily's podcast that we did as well, which was a couple back where she yeah. was talking about a different way of connecting with land and, and oh. being with it. And Anyways, you can I'd listen like to that to podcast. To that. Yeah, 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 you'll have to listen to that podcast. That'll be part of my journey. I would love to know, I imagine that, this biomimicry stuff and these experiences that you've had and these mentors that have just, you know, set your brain alive. Mm. W- what are you doing now if people are also resonating with what you're saying and it's ignited a curiosity in them? Is there mm. anything that you're creating that they could follow or is there anything oh. you would suggest they would do or read? Yeah, well, the, I mean, if you're really into the biomimicry, definitely Google biomimicry and you can um, connect to... Uh, I think there are a lot of biomimicry networks and communities around the world, people that are really into it. Um, If you want to, there's a Masters of Biomimicry that you can do by distance Mm -hmm. out of Arizona State University that Dana Baumeister leads. And I'm almost finished that and I've really, Mm -hmm. really enjoyed that process. Um, You can do a biomimicry certificate uh, definitely read Janine Bernius's book. Biomimicry. What's it called? This is called Biomimicry. Biomimicry. Yeah, Simple and to the yeah, point. Excellent. She coined the term. Uh, she wrote it in 1999, I believe. And until she published that, nobody had really pulled together this huh. body of work that showed how much um, we can learn by emulating nature's genius to solve myriad problems. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that book is brilliant. Mm. It's such a beautiful read. Um, yeah, but just Google. Bi- and there's there's a bunch of um, on YouTube. If you just Google biomimicry, Janine Benyus, Dana Balmeister, there's a bunch of clips of them talking about okay. it, which are mind blowing. Yeah, and then my own work is, uh, boy, it would be a different podcast, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm channeling what I'm learning into this into a course that I teach through Harvard. It's going online this year. Uh, It's called um, Executive Education for Sustainability Leadership. And um, yeah, we kick off in September for a three month online course in that. And it's designed for senior leaders, middle managers, all sectors who want to adopt, um, who really want to drive sustainability into the core of their mission mm-hmm. and their business. And we integrate a lot of biomimicry into that program because mm. it's really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, it's yeah. Like one thing that I guess I want to celebrate in you is the fact that that you followed your curiosity down this path and it really seems like I know you're standing on the shoulders of giants as a far as your mentors but really you're still one of the frontiers of this whole concept like if the book just came out in 1996 that was just like a sneeze ago yeah yeah, Um, especially in that 12 month time frame it would be the last you know 0.1 of a second yeah so (laughs) if there's even for you listening if there's something that sparked your curiosity in this know that to follow that curiosity and and it is still new and it does take courage to follow concepts and ideas that majority of people aren't on board yet but if it feels Mm. good in your body and if it feels good in your mind just keep following it and trusting it because that's adventure that is the one of the most powerful adventures that you'll ever have is 
the whole adventure of your life. So wow, that's yeah, and really I see that in you, and I celebrate that because it's often not the easiest path to try and get people to see things from a different perspective or to go against yeah. the grain or to to just like you're saying, like we all want to belong, yeah. and it can be very scary to to get on board ideas or to start spreading messages where we feel like our tribe will reject us because of that, oh because of God. that majority yes. of what, you know, the normal, which is just the majority. Yes. Uh, but when you feel so passionately about it and you've that conviction of dedicating your life to it yeah. is like, this is, this is how fucking important it is to me. I've dedicated my whole life to yeah. this. And yeah. yeah, I see that in you and I celebrate that. So thank you. And thank yeah. you for sharing your story and a little bit of how your brain works. <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast I still I'm trying to keep up with it the whole time I don't know Um, when you're feeling under the weather you've been amazing thanks to you I kind of like my sexy my sexy rosky voice yeah Um, it's a good one yeah so follow Leith's book suggestions or YouTube suggestions or even that incredible course that I can't remember the name of because it's so long-winded say it again it's good practice for you well maybe the easiest way is if you're interested you can reach me through LinkedIn Leith Sharp, L-E-I-T-H Sharp, S-H-A-R-P, and it's an executive education course Mm -hmm. in sustainability Mm -hmm. leadership. Um, So, yeah, climate change, diversity, inclusion. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, and Thank you for listening this far. This was a juicy one. We went a bit over an hour. and if you're intrigued and you want to share one of your journeys or adventures, I would love to have a conversation with you too. Or if you have any feedback or if you want to try and find Leith but don't know how to, just contact me. And until then, I look forward to sharing another powerful journey with you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye.